0: Luke chapter 15, we're familiar with the story of the prodigal son. And I would say that this story ought to be called, and you've probably heard it said many times, that this should be more called the parable of the loving father than the parable of the prodigal son. And for the sake of time this morning, I just want to read one verse, and then we'll look at some other verses this morning. And it's found in verse number 18. Verse number 18 said, I will arise and go to my father. And will say it unto my Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Let's go to God in prayer and then you can be seated. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, God, that you would help us for these next few moments. I pray the Holy Ghost would just fill us with power as the preacher preached about. Most of all, I pray that you'd receive glory and honor. May we not see man this morning, but may we see Christ. I pray for those here that may be lost. Oh, God, I pray that even right now the Holy Spirit would speak to them. That still, small voice would woo them to an altar of repentance. Lord, I pray for those that may be backslid this morning. God, good church members, but have drifted in their heart. I pray that you'll help them to do just what this young man does in this text, to come back home to the Father. Lord, I pray your blessing. Now, in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. As I mentioned, this is called the parable of the prodigal son, but more so... Uh, It would be fitting to call it the parable of the loving father because that's exactly what you see throughout this text. We know the journey that this young man takes and we know that uh, he declares in verse number 18 that he has sinned against heaven and before thee. And when you get to verse number 20, notice the Bible says he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And I think about the phrase here, and he arose and he came unto his father. When we get to that phrase, the the prodigal son has made the journey. He has went to the far country and now he has came back to the father. He's made that journey from the far country back to the father. The pathway of this prodigal, when I think about him this morning, the phrase that we read as our text this morning, he says, father, I have sinned. That's an interesting phrase because that statement, I have sinned, is mentioned eight times in the word of God. It's mentioned by eight different people. In fact, Pharaoh made that statement and Balaam made that statement and Saul made that statement and Judas made that statement. They all said, I have sinned, but none of them meant that statement. It was without reality. Also, Job made that statement. Achan made that statement in the book of Joshua. David himself, the sweet psalmist David, made that statement and then uh, the prodigal makes that statement here and they made it with sincerity. So out of eight people we have four that made it with no reality whatsoever and then four that made it from a true heart that was sincere. That tells me that there's going to be those uh, that will repent, that will only repent because of the circumstances in their life. And then there's going to be others that's going to be like this young man the hard courses uh, or the hard struggles of life and and the troubles of life have brought them to their knees and brought them to that place of repentance that the man of God spoke about earlier. And I wanna preach a few minutes from verse number 20 on that subject, on the pathway of the prodigal. The pathway of the prodigal. You see, when and we get to verse number 20, as I mentioned, he has been to the far country and now he has come home. And there are seven steps that led him down and there are seven steps that led him back to the Father. We know that seven is the number of completion. And I think if you could interview this boy after the Father has kissed him and hugged him, and Brother Saunders, he's brought him back in and he's sat down at the table and he's enjoyed the celebration. Oh, I think this morning, like many prodigals, he could tell you a story about the far country that you and I would not want to hear. You see, this young man got an education in this world that I pray that no young person sitting here this morning ever has to experience. In fact I want to stop long enough to say this uh, that the best testimony you'll ever hear in church is a testimony of one that has been saved from sin, saved from this world uh, has lived for God and known nothing but church uh, all the days of their life, uh, never drank alcohol, never smoked dope uh, never lived a night of sin and perversion. Uh, That's the best life uh, and that is the life that God uh, would have for everyone of us this morning. Do you realize it's a will of God that none of us never get out in that mess anyway? it was the will of this father that this young man stay at home and serve in the field and work in the field and inherit everything that the father had for him all the days of his life but like a lot of people he gets out of the will of God and he goes away from the father I see seven steps I'm not going to preach them but I'll mention them to you this morning that leads this boy down this uh, a terrible and dangerous path the first step I see is the step of restraint you see in verse number 12 of the Bible said or verse number 11 that a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father. Now this young man is living on the farm and he's working in the field just like this other young man. These two boys are growing up together. They have the same father. They live at the same home. But yet my friend, this young man feels like the restraints have been put on him. He feels like he's in a situation that he wants to Get out of you know I've seen that in church uh, people be raised in a godly home have godly parents uh, live in a good church but yet they feel like the restraints are on them you know the difference between license and liberty license is the abuse of the law I want, to, I want to be able to go out and go against everything that's ever been said. I want to do things that uh, that are not right. I, I want to just live as free as I can and just live and do any old way I please. But liberty is not license to abuse the law. But liberty, my friend, uh, is regulated freedom. Amen? You see, that's what happened to Adam and Eve when God put them in the garden. God said, of every tree of the garden, thou shalt freely eat. God gave man a will. God, God gave man a choice. Uh, and God put him in a great environment. He put him in a good atmosphere where he could enjoy the blessings of God and enjoy the presence of God. Hey, that's what church is, young person. You've been put in a good atmosphere where you can enjoy the blessings of God and the goodness of God. And listen, what happened was uh, God didn't put restraints on them. He gave them regulated freedom. Of every tree of the garden thou shalt freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil thou shalt not eat, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And so God... uh, gave them, uh, uh, listen, he gave them boundaries to live by. And this morning, I want to say I thank God for boundaries, don't you? Uh, Boundaries keeps me in the right place. Uh, It keeps me in the place of blessing. It keeps me in that place where God can be good to me. And it keeps those evil things out. Amen. Amen. This boy felt the restraint, the relentlessness. The Bible said that he came to his father. He's now got the boldness to come to his father about what he wants in life. I like what the preacher said, that if you want what God wants, you can have everything you want in life. Too many times where we get in troubles, we start wanting things that are is not best for us. How many of you this morning, you don't have to raise your hand, but you could say, Amen, that you would agree this morning that God knows what's best for us? He knows what is the best job for you and I to have. He know what he, he knows who is the best person for us to marry. He, know, he knows who is the, the best life that we can hea, live. Uh, God knows uh, what's best in our life, but we get in trouble when we get relentless and we get bent on saying, well, I'm gonna do my own thing. And by the way, it's not just teenagers this morning. I'm not preaching just to the youth. Uh, I've seen a lot of moms and dads that are so self-willed. It's gonna be their way or no way or the highway. And I'm gonna tell you listen and you can't cover it up uh, and dress it up this morning, uh, I wanna say you and I have got to be careful that we don't just keep pushing and prodding until we get what we want because you may get what you want and it costs you everything, amen? I'm telling you this morning, this boy uh, worked up enough courage to come to his father and I see the relentlessness of it. He was going to have his way, one way or the other. I see the restraint in his life. Uh, I see here uh, uh, the request as he says, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. You see, this young man was not to receive these goods until the father was gone, amen? But he could not wait. He wanted it right now in his life. I wanna tell you this morning, even as adults, we got to be careful. There are some things that God is going to give us in life, but we've got to be willing to wait for it, amen? We've got to be patient. We can't run ahead and say, well, this is my request. No, I wanna tell you, prayer is not me trying to manipulate God. into getting my will done on earth, but it's me surrendering to God in order that his will might be done in heaven, amen? See, that is the will of God, and that is absolute surrender in our life. This young man, he has a request. Father, give me. This is the give me generation. And I'm not just talking about millennials when I say that. Brother, we're living in a time when people have got their own will, their own agenda. You don't hear a lot of preaching on surrender anymore. Consecration. Selling out lock, stock, and barrel. You don't hear those statements much anymore. You know why? Because it's seldom seen in the pulpit, let alone in the pews. And here's a young man that said, Father, all I really want is what's coming to me. Go ahead and give it to me. And we see that the Father gives it to him in verse number 12. Notice the responsibility, because now he has divided unto him his living. He's given both of these boys what is coming to them. Now they have the responsibility. What are they going to do with what the Father has given them? You see, the seasons of life teach us this, that there's some things you don't need in your youth, and there's some things you don't need in your middle age amen because you're not, you're not ready for it you're not ready to take it on there's some things you need in the right season of life amen there's some things today as a middle aged man that I don't understand that when I look at older people because I've not been where they're at there are some things that God is not going to give me at my age now because he knows that I'm not ready for those things. I always get tickled at young preachers because I I remember I was the same way. Uh, They want a full schedule. Every young man wants that as a preacher. If it's in you, you want a full schedule. You want to be busy. And can I tell you, every preacher wants that and that's a good thing. But there's a burden and there's responsibility and there's a weariness uh, and the flesh that comes with busyness uh, uh, that, my friend, and sometimes you cannot see in your youth. And even if God was to give it to you, it would be much too much for you. It'd be too much to handle. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because it's too much for me to handle now. Amen. And I know that if God don't help me, it'll be a big mess and I'll mess up. I'm telling you, there's some things in life God wants you to wait for. The truth of the text is, the father bestowed it upon him, but he wasn't ready for it. The responsibility was too great for him at his age. The recklessness, look at verse number 13. The Bible said he went out and wasted his substance with riotous living. You know, I I remember preaching for a man uh, up in North Carolina and he told me one time, he said, you know, he went through all these, uh, he went through a disaster of a pastorate and uh, he finally left that church. He went to another small church and and, and he told me, he said, you know, he said that was the worst thing that could happen to me. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm 22 years old and I take a church running 200. He said, I wasn't ready for. And he told me. He said, "I ran it down to just a small number," and he did. He said, "I wasted the substance." He told me, "said the greatest regret I have about all that is that I'll have to answer at the judgment seat for it." I want to tell you this morning: be thankful for what you have. Don't look at some. That's what I don't like about social media. It's a facade. It's what I don't like about society today. If you have a if you have the the American dream and you have the you know if you if you if you have the you know the best of the best the the, the best house you have the you know you have the most update uh, uh, furniture you have, you have the most update wardrobe and there's nothing wrong if God has been good to you with those things I uh, uh, listen I'm not shaming nobody for having that but I'll tell you what's wrong uh, in this society is we're constantly building a platform we're constantly building a facade uh, and I'll tell you what it makes a lot of people feel Feel like, if they can't obtain it, then they're nothing in life. They haven't accomplished anything in life. Oh, but I remember growing up, and I thank God for those days when people didn't have much and they just had enough to get by, but they were thankful for what they did have, and it didn't make no difference what you live like. Nobody was trying to show off anything that they had. If somebody got a new car, everybody was happy and they were thankful and they appreciated and they took care of it because they knew what it took to get there now this is a throwaway generation that they just go from one thing to the next. You young people hear me this morning there's some things you need to work hard for and there's some years you need to learn to do without some things. Uh, you don't have to have the best of everything. Can I get a witness on that? Hey we as middle aged uh, and younger people we don't have to have the best of everything. I remind us all this morning if you got a roof over your head uh, and you got food in the cupboard uh, and you got shoes on your feet it doesn't matter where they they come from. I'll tell you where every bit of it come from. It came from the good hand of God, and we ought to bless His name. It doesn't matter where we buy it at. We ought to just thank Him that He pulled us out of the pit and He blessed us. Hallelujah! Woo! I don't care if you bought it at Walmart or where you got it at. You know, Walmart, that's that place where it's Halloween 365 days out of the year. Amen. I don't care if you bought it at Walmart. Just be thankful. Hallelujah. Amen. I could preach on Walmart. I'm mad at Walmart, so I'll leave it alone. It's the only place where it's perfectly okay and acceptable to put your dog in a buggy and your child on a leash. Amen. Amen. Some mad at Walmart. I won't even go there this morning. God help us. But anyway, retribution. Look at verse number 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. I want to tell you something about that famine. It wasn't no mistake, it wasn't no accident. Amen. God sent that famine. You look at famines in the Bible. You know where they come from. God sent famines. Famines was God's way of getting people's attention. Famines came when people got self-willed and got out the, and disobeyed God. You just ask Ruth, uh, or you ask uh, Naomi, and you ask her about. She got out of the will of God. She kept pushing and pushing. I know God killed Elimelech, but I'm gonna tell you it was Naomi that was instrumental. She had to have her way. She had to. It had to be her thing. Uh, and in the end, she lost everything good in her life. Uh, she said, I went out full, but God brought me home empty. I'm telling you, friend, there's a lot of people I've seen like that. They went out the door and they had everything, and God had been good to them. But if they come back, you know how they come back? They come back like this old boy came. They come back like Naomi came with nothing to show for the life that they have lived, hallelujah. I want to tell you, don't don't drink the Kool-Aid of those that have got away from God. They want you to think it is the best life you can ever live. But I'm gonna tell you, I'll take what God says, like preacher said, over what they say. Retribution, God will punish those that get out of his will. How many of you this morning, don't raise your hand. How many of you fear God? I'm gonna tell you, if I got out of God's will and I could this morning, I don't think I'd live long. I'm not saying that for everybody, but I, it's always been in the back of my mind. You say, Preacher, have you ever thought about getting old? I hadn't thought about it. I know I'm not above it, though. But if I got out of it, Brother Allen, I think God would put me in a grave. I don't think He'd let me live a long life. I fear the Lord. I, I love Him, but, but I fear Him, don't you? It's not. A, I'm not afraid of God. He, he's the best friend that I've ever had. He's the best friend of uh, me and my wife have ever had together uh, and serving God. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I've seen retribution in people's life uh, and I've been taken to the woodshed uh, enough to know uh, over some of the things in life to, to make me wanna fear. I don't wanna get out of church. Uh, I don't wanna get away from God. Uh, I tell you, I wanna preach uh, the rest of this message but I feel like this morning, hey, somebody's sitting here and you've been just playing with fire. You've been flirting with the world. You've been thinking about, I'll just go another way. I want to tell you this morning, God has put a warning on your doorstep. What you better do this morning is get in this altar and get right with God. Don't you take another step down that road. And oh boy, could have turned around at any time, but he kept on going. I'll tell you, God's hammer of judgment fell in his life, amen. You got a bunch of liberal, watered down preachers today that if you preach that, they'll say, you're trying to fearmonger. No, I'm just trying to warn somebody. I care enough about you sitting here this morning. I'm nobody, but I care enough about you sitting here this morning. I don't want to see your marriage fall apart. I don't want to see your children go haywire. I telling you, that crowd, they want to put pressure on preachers today to not to, to preach. Listen, they can all go jump in the river for all I care this morning. I'm telling you, I care enough about the people sitting in this pews to warn you. And I thank God for men in the past that warned me. Don't go that way, young person. Don't go that way mom and dad you better hear me and hear me well there is retribution if you get out of the will of God you know sometimes can I just say this sometimes I want to strangle church members now not you (laughs) I'm just going to say it and I probably shouldn't say it and my wife will straighten me out down the road you can help me with this Somebody needs to say it, don't they? I want to strangle church members sometimes. Because they hear you preach for years. And they'll walk up and say the stupidest. And I'm emphasizing as much as I can, Brother Allen, that word right now. They will say the stupidest things sometimes. And expect you not to say anything. And I'm going to tell you, if you do that, I'm going to say something. And it's not because, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to say something. Because I care about you. Yes, sir. I said, well, we, we went and did this right here, and I don't care who knows about it. Well, well, have, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But don't come to my office and be sitting there crying crocodile tears. Because you got all brassy and bold. Yeah. Amen. So why do you say that, Brother Graham? Because I, I care about people. I don't preach. I'm a God, that Bible, man, I don't preach you to be mean. I wouldn't beat you up for nothing in this world. But I sure want to keep anybody I can out of that world. I tell you, every time somebody get, leaves this church and goes to the world, I'm going to tell you, it's like a death for a pastor. I don't care what nasty things they say about me or the church or anything. None of that stuff matters to me. Because in the end, you know what I think about? I think about their children. I think about their home. And I realize they're not mad at me. They think they're mad at me. They think they're mad at you. No, i tell you. They've drifted away from God. And I'll tell you this morning, if there's something rise up in your soul while I'm preaching, you ought to get right with God and know that your pastor loves you. I, I, I don't want to, I'm not magnifying this so ungodly flesh, but I want you to know this morning, I feel a witness. Don't you get out there in this world. Don't you swallow all this liberalism that's going on that tells you you can live any way you want to and do anything you want to and it's all okay. That's a far country, friend. It's a far country. And I uh, never finished the sermon, but the reproach, the Bible said he was feeding in the field, feeding swine to a Jewish boy. That was, that was rock bottom. And then there's seven steps that leads this old boy back home. In verse 17, the reflection, he comes to himself. Recollection, he says, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and sp- to spare? Realization, and I perish with hunger. Resolution, he said, I'm going to do something about this. In verse 18, I will arise. I'll go to my father. And I'll say unto him three things. He says, I'm going to do. I'm going to rise. I'm going to go to my father. And there's something I'm going to say to my father. Repentance. Father, I have sinned. And You ought to note this. First against heaven and then before thee. He recognized that he had not only sinned against his father, but he had sinned against God. That tells me he had a real good father. Because his father taught him what repentance and sin was all about. It wasn't about pleasing dad. It wasn't about pleasing mom. You Young people, listen to me. Thank God for godly parents. And they ought to be your best friends. And you ought to be loyal to them more than any other person on earth. But you can't do what you do for your parents. It needs to be real between you and God first. And if you'll honor God, you'll please your parents. The thing is, this morning repentance serving God has to be all about him not about them and I see the repentance I see the restitution he said I'm going to make things right with my father I wish those young people verse 19 I wish there's young people that would come back and make things right with God and with their parents look what he says look at the attitude of this young man in his restitution verse 19 I'm no more worthy to be called thy son Oh boy come home you see, when I see my daddy, I've wasted everything my daddy ever worked for. Everything daddy ever worked hard to give me in life, I wish young people would see that, how much their parents really loved them. Every time you flip a light switch on, somebody paid that bill. That water coming out of that faucet, it ain't free. I tell you, you want to have revival in your life as a teenager, go to your parents and just thank them. Think about every meal you sit sat down, you never paid for. Every time you opened a cabinet and you pulled something out, you never had to worry about if it was going to be there or not. Think about pull going to your closet and you put on clothes that, that you didn't buy and you sleep in a bed that, that you didn't buy. You're not living under a bridge. You, God has been good to you but the instruments that God has used to be good to every young person has been their mother and been their father that he's put in their life. And this old boy wasted it. Young person, you owe your parents. I don't care what nobody says. I'll tell you, I had a lost mom and dad growing up uh, for the most part of my teenage years uh, but I thank God. God for a daddy that taught me how to work. I thank God for a daddy that got up every morning and punched a clock and a mother that made biscuits and made gravy. Amen. I didn't appreciate the green beans, but I still, uh, I thank God for a mom that she did the best she could with what she had and they put food on the table and even though they were lost, I thank God for my parents. I thank God for You ought to thank God for your parents. Mine's coming to the end of the journey. Went saw my dad the other day. I said, Daddy, let's go, let's go get a hamburger. How many of y'all never ate in Murray County? Raise your hand. Go ahead, you don't gotta be afraid. <laughs> y'all be afraid if you have ate in Murray County. <laughs> I know every good spot to eat in Murray County, and I know every spot you don't need to get within six miles of. <laughs> I said, "Let's go down to Cream Hut and get us a. Let's go there and get us a hamburger, and one of them homemade apple pies with ice cream on it. Amen. And when we got down there, he got out of the car, and I hadn't saw him in a few weeks, but I saw the digression, and uh, it broke my heart tell you one of these days these old bodies won't be won't be Ellen's no more will they we sat there and we had we had a good time together but he's not the dad that that I grew up those days are gone And I find myself cherishing every day that I have left with them. My mother, she whipped me with everything. I got beat with a flip-flop. I could smell the rubber burning when she got done. A wiffle ball bat, my own. That's right. A hickory. My mom, she was a master with a hickory. Amen. Amen. I felt like it was the cat of nine tails, Brother David, going around my legs. I mean, she could wrap that thing around. Amen. Well, some of y'all looking pale because you're in the time out generation. You've seen how that's worked, haven't you? I don't believe in it. And I don't care what nobody said. We weren't even taking this off podcast. I don't care who it makes mad. I still believe in that. You fire their backside up. I'm going to tell you what will happen. You you know what? My mother could lay a hickory across the dash of that old 76 Impala that was as wide as a school bus. Amen. And when she laid it on there, it started on this end and it went all the way over to the other end. And Brother David, it curled on the end right there. That That wasn't a hickory. That was a small tree is what that was. And we weren't even doing anything. We drove down the road with that that hickory in the dash. That was our decoration in the dash. She said, sons, now y'all see that hickory? And we're like, yeah, we see it, all right. So does everybody in town. She's like, you make one wrong move. And if I have to get out of this car, amen, there's gonna be stars and stripes for the next six months, amen. I never felt abused one day in my life. Amen. I did have a neighbor threatening to call defects one time. My daddy said, call defects. He said, when I get done with them, I'll, I'll whip them too. <laughs> Amen. They went in the house. <laughs> it was a different generation. You say, why did you say all that? Because I'm going to tell you what they did. They broke my will. Thank God. They broke my will. They taught me to get under the authority that had been put in my life. They didn't abuse me. They didn't mistreat me. They whipped me. They didn't spank me. (laughs) They whipped me. You know the difference between a spanking and a whipping, don't you? It's the sound. (laughs) Kid gets a spanking, he gets mad. He gets a whipping, he's like... (laughs) that's right and I'm going to tell you when the Holy Ghost came to the pew my mom and dad neither one was standing there but when the Holy Ghost came to my pew and I got under conviction there wasn't no resisting it when that authority came knocking on, that, on my door there wasn't no resisting it because they wasn't raising a rebel and that old boy came home, and he said, "I'm not even worthy to be called your son." But there's rejoicing. He's got it all planned out. What he's going to tell the father. His attitude of repentance was right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him, and I gotta quit. But he got there, and he said, "He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell my father, father. Hey, see, that boy was repenting before he ever got home." This is what I'm gonna say. I got it all planned out. I'm sorry. I'm low down. I, I, listen, I, I've done wrong. Uh, conviction and confession was all in his character. I'm gonna tell you, I'm not even worthy to be called thy son. Oh, but the Bible says in verse number 20 that he arose uh, and he came to his father. But there's a but right there in verse number 20. But when his father, uh, when he was yet a great way off, uh, his uh, his father saw him. Uh, the father saw that boy, uh, coming down the road, amen. You know how he saw him, I'll tell you how. He was looking for him, amen. I'm telling you, before that boy could see the father, and the father saw the son a great way off. I tell you, I'm glad he came looking for me, amen. I went looking for God, but long before I was looking for God, he came looking for me. And the Bible said he had compassion. I'm glad I serve a God this morning. He's a God of compassion, amen. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of third chances. He's a God of fourth chances. You say, but I've messed up. So did this boy. But the father's looking for you. Hallelujah. He had compassion on him. Amen. Oh, I'm thankful for a father. You know, my father, sometimes my dad had surprised me. It wasn't much. But there times I thought he was going to beat the devil out of me. And he had compassion. He said, boy, you ought to get a whipping for this, but I'm going to show you mercy. I'm glad the Father knows when to show compassion. And I like this next little phrase. He ran. I mean, can you imagine this boy's walking? He's been in a hog pen. He smells, I mean, awful. He smells like a sewer. He's walking down this road. Broken with nothing to show for it. And his father sees that silhouette coming. It's something in his heart. He knew it was that boy. And he ran to where he was. I'm glad God can come to where we're at this morning. I like that old song Square Parson wrote. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. The gulf that separated me from God was greater. Do you realize you couldn't have got to God if you wanted to? You make your way to God, but you couldn't get to him by yourself. Coming down an aisle wasn't gonna get you there by yourself. I'll tell you, when you got to where you was, when you went as far as you could go, when you couldn't take another step, guess why? Before you got to that last step, the Father was already there. He ran to where you was. I'm glad the day I got saved, God came running to where I was. Don't you thank God for the day? He ran to you. I'm glad he ran to me he didn't just run to us but he lifted us amen he fell on his neck he kissed him hallelujah oh thank God for the kisses of the grace of God in all of our life amen compassion and he kissed him and that old boy look at verse 21 he told the father everything he said he was going to he said father I sinned against heaven and in thy sight I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But you know what? He's telling the father all this, but he ain't listening. He already knew. He's a kissing that boy. He's a hugging that boy. And he calls for the servants. I want to tell you, that's the pathway of the prodigal. You may be a prodigal here this morning. I want you to know you can come home doesn't matter how far out in sin you've been, you can come home. You say, I've done a whole lot of things. Doesn't make no difference. Just come on home this morning. I ain't got nothing to show for the life I've lived. Doesn't matter. The father wants you. The father never loved all that stuff. He loved that son. You know what the father would have done? He'd gave every bit of the farm to keep that boy. He didn't care about them things. God don't care about the blessings That he showers on our life. He cares about us this morning. You know, all God wants in life is you. And the greatest gift that God ever gave any of us was himself. He wants a relationship this morning. I wouldn't forfeit that for this world as we stand as they get us a song ready. He's probably a prodigal here this morning. Why don't you get right with God? Why don't you come home this morning? Do business with God. You may not be out there in the world, or you may be, but you may be in your heart like it was in this boy's heart. Oh, if you could just do business now and never wind up like others, how much better it would be. While they play softly this morning, our heads are about eyes are closed. How about it, backslider? I'll tell you what's in my heart this morning is to talk to a backslider. You know where backsliding begins? In your heart. I wonder who in this building this morning you've backslid in your heart. You're not where you used to be at with God. You know that. And you know I know that this morning. I love you and I want you to get right with God. God you're still in church but if you don't if you don't get back where you was you may not be 2 or 3 years from now and you already know how that ends why don't you renew your vows to god this morning